0: Okay, and we're live on the Niche Agent. So today we got a great guest for you. It's Mark Gagne. Now, Mark, you're American, so you do say your name a little bit different. So why don't you take a quick second, introduce yourself, and tell us a bit about yourself and where you're from?
1: Hi, Ryan. Thanks. And I really appreciate being on your show. So, uh, my name is Mark Gagne, and I am from Silicon Valley down here in Northern California. And like a lot of investors here in the Bay Area where I'm from, my background is actually in high tech and I still am co-owner of a manufacturing electronics manufacturing company which is basically a sales organization but I have a lot of flexibility so I predominantly spend the majority of my time actually doing real estate and I got started uh, buying in properties in the Central Valley of California back in 2011 we were buying REO properties a partner and I we had acquired seven properties that we purchased fixed and then put tenants in them and we're managing those properties after about 13 months of that I decided to uh, shift gears and I started a fix and flip business back in the Bay Area uh, where price points are quite a bit higher and I've been doing that ever since uh, to uh, today and I also do multifamily family investing uh, in various markets out of state for buy-hold so I have a uh, Quite a variety, I guess, of strategies that I use. But I think today we're going to talk about my fix and flip business and how uh, I work with
0: real estate agents successfully in that business. Exactly. So that's great. So for you, I want to go back to how you transitioned to that real estate. You mentioned you had a partner, and how did that first kind of purchase come together? How did that look like for you? Because obviously you have this other business. What made you want to get into real estate, and where did that all start from?
1: Yeah, it actually came from two places. Firstly, I had a friend who had uh, told me about the Rich Dad Poor Dad book about seven years earlier, and I finally got around to reading it. And that particular book from Robert Kiyosaki really inspired me to uh, look at my finances differently and look at other uh, ways that I could uh, eventually have passive income into my life. Uh, at the same time, I had a friend who was successfully doing real estate investing in the central california town of fresno and so he being a good friend took me out to fresno and showed me where he was buying properties the types of properties he was buying the price points he was paying for these properties and what kind of rent he was getting and when I added all the numbers up there were great returns there. It just looked like a really solid opportunity. Double digit returns we were buying at the bottom of the market. And so I jumped in, I teamed up with a partner and I who had money and I had some money. I had some money and we started uh, buying properties. And we acquired seven single family homes over the course of about thirteen months that we purchased, fixed, and put tenants into.
0: Okay. So for you, when you made that move, you bought those properties. How much of your time was being spent actually on the managing, and how much time was being spent on the fixing, and how did that look over those first 13 months?
1: I was spending a lot of time on fixing those properties. And the good news is that I'm in sales, so I can actually talk on my phone and uh, do <laughs> repair work almost at the same time. <laughs> so I was uh, playing a little bit of hooky from uh, my day job. But, uh, again, I'm co-owner of the business, so I had flexibility to do that. And I would spend two to three days at a time down in Fresno working on properties, and then you know, come back, do my day job uh, for several days, and I'd go back down. So I was spending a lot of time doing the fixing. One of the things I learned from that experience is that I really didn't want to do that, at least I didn't want to do it long term. So after 13 months, I was really uh, prepared to learn a better way, which ultimately was hiring contractors to do the work Mm -hmm. who would do a better job because they're professionals, number one, and number two, I just really didn't enjoy uh, the work all that much. It was not something that I necessarily consider that I'm good
0: at. <laughs> and you brought up a very valid point. It's kind of what we wanted to talk about today was you said you hired professionals to do the job because it wasn't what you want to do or what your best skill set is. And For you, one of the things that makes you unique is that you definitely bring the agents into the process. You're not out there just looking for your own deals. You have a whole process where the agent can win on the buy side, the agent can win on the sell side, and for you, it was, as we talked before, is you try to make a win-win for everybody and have everybody make money and make it a good process. So can you talk a bit about what that looks like for you when you're purchasing a property and how, that, how you involve agents?
1: Yeah, I mean, the agents are absolutely critical. And actually, in my business, I have found that I have done more deals, found more deals, and resold more deals using agents than any other strategy that I've uh, used. So my... Typically, when I reach out to an agent who uh, has expressed an interest in working with me or has expressed an interest in learning how to work with investors, the first thing I'll tell them is that it is in my best interest to make sure that they make as much money working with me as possible, because that's the only way you you incentivize and motivate agents to uh, go out and think of you, put you at the top of their list, and potentially find opportunities. So. My pitch is that I will have an agent who finds me an opportunity represent me as a buyer. I will fix a property, hopefully add a lot of value to the property, make it look amazing uh, on the inside and out, and then they'll be the listing agent for me to sell it. And I will hope that they were either the seller agent on the original transaction, or they find a buyer on the backhand transaction. At a minimum, the agents earn dual commissions when I buy the property first, and secondly, when they list it and they sell it for me. I have had agents triple in the commission before, which is a great deal and I'm really happy to (laughs) see that happen. Uh, I've never seen one yet uh, get all four sides of the commission, but I'm waiting for that day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It will happen. So. I know there's a lot of our listeners I'm sure out there that who have maybe have worked with investors or who have had investors approach them and there's varying degrees of investors, there's varying degrees of how people do their business. Um, even within my own show, I've had uh, Mark Loeffler on and Matt Acheson and their agents themselves and, and they do investment properties and there's so many different models. and. I know a lot of agents have been burned by some investors. Um, they may not be as trustworthy because they feel that they're just out to try to look out for them. But for you, it's like you said, it's very important to take care of the agents because they're the ones who are going to find you those deals. They're the ones who have their their feet on the street and who know what's going on. So I like that you take care of us.
1: Well, absolutely. Because if you don't, uh, you don't have a long-term career in this business, as far as I'm concerned. It's taking a long view approach, and really quite frankly, the biggest challenge, at least in my market, but I think this is true in most markets, the biggest challenge of of our business as an investor is actually finding a deal right you know it's the old adage that you make your money when you buy, not yep. necessarily when you sell, although in the hot market, you know that doesn't hurt, but <laughs> you make your money when you buy and're and, and so we're trying to buy properties at a relatively deep discount, and so You know, there's certain challenges to that and there's certain skill sets that are required to find deeply discounted properties. And so if you find agents that have that skill set, have the means and have the desire to to find you those opportunities, um, an intelligent fix and flipper will take very well uh, care of them.
0: Yep. So Now, as you know and most people know, there are a lot of agents out there. Uh, I'm sure in your area, especially in hot markets, there's even more agents than there probably should be. Uh, <laughs> what is your criteria and what makes a good agent for you and what do you look for when you're trying to find an agent?
1: Well, I, I go out and I meet you know as many people as I can that have an interest in working with me yep. and I define what I'm looking for and what I will buy. And I try to have a systematic, uh, what means, or way of following up and keeping in touch with these agents. And over time, you begin to learn and see which agents uh, really can and will work with you. And they're the ones that bring opportunities to you um, on a you know somewhat consistent basis. But even beyond that, it's just really good business I think for me to reach out to as many people as I can because it really is a numbers game Uh and let them know what I'm looking for because it's possible that you have certain agents who you know the majority of what they do is they're working with what I call retail clients but every once in a while they're going to run into a situation which is either a house that is in very poor condition that can't be sold to a retail buyer with a mortgage or perhaps somebody that needs to sell very, very fast, and it requires a cash buyer. And in those situations, I want to know that they remember me mm-hmm. and will call me. And it's really about being you know, top of mind. So that's why it's so important to be systematic and keeping in touch with people. I have a newsletter that I put out to all kinds of uh, people who can find me opportunities, whether they're other fix and flippers, wholesalers, agents, all kinds of people and that's why I keep top of mind uh, for people because some agents are looking for me constantly other ones you know I just want them to think about me when that little nugget out there appears and they're like oh yeah Mark uh, is a guy that can close on this deal quickly and easily and um, I'll call him because he's a good resource for me
0: that's that's great advice because i mean from what i'm hearing it sounds like you're adding value to the other person's life and a lot of times the investors are saying add value to my life add value to my life and there's nothing in reciprocation to the other agents and you're staying top of mind you're you're communicating you're following up and not just waiting for agents to hope that they remember you
1: you know most agents i talk to actually have investors that they know so i mean the first thing is it's good for any agent to have you know, investors in their toolbox, so that when they run into a scenario that I just described, they can pick up the phone and act quickly and decisively. Because really, in this business, it's all about who moves fastest. I've gotten deals where another fix and flipper was uh, not making a fast decision. I came in and I wrote an offer, and, you know, I got the deal because I was fast and decisive. Uh, So that's... uh, that's, uh, something that most agents they have investors in their toolbox, so to speak, but what I want to be is I want to be the investor that is top of mind mm-hmm. and that's where I go back to it's important for us to establish uh, a rapport and an ongoing relationship with uh, real estate agents such that you know when they see something, you know they may have five ten investors that they talk to, but they're going to think of me first
0: yep. And I'm sure on the vice versa, you have those agents that you think of that are your top agents as well.
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. But again, it, it kind of comes down to who brings you a deal. I've yeah. had agents that brought me one deal and I've stayed in touch with them for two years. I've never seen another deal out of them. But that doesn't mean that they won't find one tomorrow. Yeah. Exactly. But they just don't regularly, I guess, have those opportunities to present themselves.
0: Yeah. Now, on the show in the past, I've, I've talked to different people and they've when they're finding their niche and they're trying to figure out who they want to go after and figure out a target uh, audience, they've come up with kind of an avatar. So it's this ideal uh, client or ideal situation or ideal scenario where it's like, this is what I'm looking for. Do you have that with uh, investment properties where you say, if you're telling agents like, hey, guys, this is what I'm looking for, this type of property, this price range in this location, or are you more open to anything? And do you have a a niche within your investments? So...
1: uh... Firstly, there's a geographical limitation because even though I'm hiring contractors to do the work, I want to be able to be within an hour drive to manage the project and you know oversee uh, the contractor, even if it's just once or twice a week. So I need to be within a certain geographic range, at least personally for me, uh, that's what I need. But otherwise, I'm really just looking at numbers. Uh, I'm looking at what I can buy the property at what it's going to cost me to fix it up, and what I can resell it for. And I don't care if it's a condo, a townhouse, a single-family home, a duplex. If those numbers work, and we have a certain basic formula that we use, at least kind of a back-of-the-napkin uh, formula, if those numbers work, then I'll go look at it. So I, I'm i not going to say I'm only going to buy three-bedroom, two-bath houses, okay. for example. Um, I'm happy to do two-bedroom. One bath. I'll do a one bedroom, one bath, if the comps support it. And you know, in this kind of market where it's a hot market, and I think that's true in many places. I'm not sure if that's true everywhere. <laughs> um, you can do that, but it really comes down to the numbers and what the comps dictate. You can
0: uh, resell the property for. Okay. So now, for you, obviously, it's important to add value to the other agents' lives and to their businesses. What do you bring to the table other than just being able to buy a property quickly?
1: Well, I, I make it their lives really easy. I mean, one of my principles in business is, you know, be easy to work with and do what you say you're going to do. And you know, there's a lot of people in this business that I've found over the course of time that don't necessarily operate in that fashion. <laughs> So if you're a, an agent, for example, and you find a dumpy house um, and you know, you're trying to figure out if there's any way you can monetize that, or I'll tell you that I'll make your job really easy because I'll do it. I'll, I'll write a cash offer and I'll buy it and go through the process and I've gone through the process dozens upon dozens upon dozens of times. So I make it quick, I make it efficient, I make it easy, Uh, the agent's just uh, sitting there, uh, I guess, passing paperwork back and forth for the most part uh, because we're buying not on a motion, but we're buying strictly to get that property in contract, close it, and then from there, the agent is waiting until we fix it, and then it becomes a normal listing. But again, we're experienced in the process, so we, uh, at least from our side of it, we take all the emotions out of it and hopefully do a good job for the agent, so I guess what we're trying to do is we're trying to make their job really easy and give them as many sides of the commission as possible uh, without uh, a lot of the other uh, emotional stuff that might go uh, back and forth in a normal retail transaction.
0: That's that's a great point because there is the financial currency they're being trading in, which is important, but it's also, like you said, making it easier that the, the emotional energy and the amount of work and energy is just as valuable as the, the actual commission itself and yeah. I, in our business we have a lot of preferred vendors so mortgage brokers, uh, home inspectors and that kind of stuff and there's ones we connect with and want to work with because they make our jobs easier and there's ones that make it a living hell so we want to work with the ones who make our job easier and it makes the even if we got paid the exact same amount just having that transaction go smoothly and know that it's going to be taken care of makes all the difference in the world. Yeah.
1: Well, one thing, Ryan, that we actually haven't talked about, I don't think, is that I'm actually a licensed broker myself here in California. And uh, but the funny thing is, is I've actually never listed one of my uh, properties. I'd rather give it to an agent. I'm not in the business to you know do listings. <laughs> and um, so it's it's a it's a little bit funny because sometimes I'll talk to an agent, and when they hear that I'm a broker, uh, they get. Uh, even though I'm telling them that I will have them represent me on both sides and uh, and all that, they some will still, you know, be a little bit skeptical until yeah. they work with me yeah. and they'll see that I have no interest in doing that on my own. I have my license for, you know, the education of it, for understanding the process, for having a lockbox key, and for having full access to the MLS. Yeah. I and mean, that's you know primarily why uh, I have that license. And otherwise, I'm happy to have the other people buy and sell for me. But I do understand the process and the documents and all that,
0: which helps. And that's again why you're able to make it a lot easier for the other agent because you know the process, you understand it, you're not guessing at it, and you're not. There's no confusion between you and the agent. You know what the expectations are. Exactly. And it's great that you mentioned about having the license because uh, the listeners are familiar with Dave Ramsey. Um, he he has his license as well, and he talks about it on his radio show, and he said. I have my license, and I still hire a real estate agent, and I'm licensed and capable of doing it. He's a smart guy. He knows his money. But He said, but I hire the professional to do it because it's not my job. It's not what I'm best at. I'm best at X, Y, and Z, and you're doing the same thing. You know what you're good at, and you're hiring the professional to do what they're good at.
1: That's exactly right.
0: So, If there's any for sale by owners listening as well, I hope they can take that into account because sometimes they don't understand that. Yeah, of course. So for you, I want to walk through and go back to how the actual deal is found. So as an agent, if, say, I'm an agent bringing you a deal, is it, am I finding the seller and it's my listing and I'm coming to you and you're buying it from me? Am I finding uh, already listed properties and bringing it to you and selling it? Or how does that whole transaction work then?
1: Yeah, well, it's a case-by-case basis. So uh, despite conventional wisdom, um, uh, actually, I would say probably more, uh, deals recently than not have actually come right off the MLS. Okay. But when you're finding deals on the MLS, it's really, again, this is a skill set that you know may take some time for some agents to develop. It's really recognizing where there's an opportunity. So, for example, I bought houses with foundation issues. Mm-hmm. Foundation issues scare retail buyers, right? But I have really good contractors that uh, know how to deal with foundation issues and know how to deal with them uh, economically uh, where others might be scared um, I bought houses that had uh, red tag issues uh, from the city because there was uh, some problem like a retaining wall that was uh, a problem and so again that was a situation where the city uh, where, where a retail uh, buyer would uh, perhaps not be comfortable Buying such a house, or a, a fire in a house, so there's different um, scenarios that come about uh, with certain homes that end up on the MLS that are either difficult to sell,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or you know they understand that uh, there's issues and they're willing to sell quickly to somebody that you know is not afraid to take on um, that that particular home. I, I'm in contract right now trying to close tomorrow on a house that has a horrible layout. Mm -hmm. And so, again, you know, they were not going to sell that for top dollar. But as an investor, I can come in because my intention is to relay out the house such that it has a normal flow to it. So really it comes down to the agent being able to recognize those opportunities where properties can be bought at a discount and going in and negotiating accordingly uh, depending on what... What the situation is with the house.
0: Okay. So, for you, do you find when you go to sell it that there's any uh, stigma or kickback from the agent when they go to resell it as a retail house? Are they finding because they knew there maybe was damage or there was problems in it before? Are they running into any issues because it's been. No, no, because we're getting
1: permits. We're getting permits. We're doing uh, engineering and uh, we're getting permits uh, when we do things like foundation work or when we're relaying out a house. So, as long as it's permitted and it's been done correctly with a competent quality licensed contractor, people don't uh it really doesn't even become any type of issue at all.
0: Okay. So um, part of the reason I want to have you on here is is talking about how agents can start adding these kind of tools to their arsenal, into their toolbox of having investors like yourself uh, work with them. So what would be an effective strategy for, say, an agent who's maybe dabbling and wanting to work with investors or has already has some investors? How would you say it's a good approach for them to get that process started or or, uh, build on that?
1: Yeah, so every city has what I call a RIA, which is a real estate Investing Association. Um, so if you just Google your city name and REI or REIA, uh, typically you can find Real Estate Investor Association. And that's really the simplest and quickest way to find real estate investors that are looking for deals, that are cash investors that can close quickly and easily and will be very supportive of agents generally, at least the intelligent ones, because if they can find agents that can find them deals, again, that is probably the largest challenge in this business. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the easiest, quickest way. There's all kinds of other ways to do it. You know, you can look in Craigslist. There's Craigslist ads for uh, people looking to buy houses for cash. You can call numbers off the side of the road. We buy houses for cash. Yep. Line. Uh, there's, you know, it's, it's only limited to your imagination how you can find real estate investors. But, again, I would say the RIAs are probably the... Uh, the quickest easiest most practical way to identify uh, people like myself
0: okay and once that relationship started how do you foster that and grow that and how do you make that relationship uh, thrive and make it valuable for each other
1: well I think firstly you want to have an understanding of what the real estate investor is looking for what's their criteria what's their buy criteria and once you understand that you um, you know it really depends on how active and how focused and committed the agent wants to be specifically to the investor so for example I, I I said you know some agents that i've worked with you know they just know me and they know that if and when they come across an opportunity you know that is a burned out house, a horrible uh, layout uh, a, a foundation issue, I want to be at top of mind for them to call me. Mm-hmm. Then there's other agents that specifically, day in and day out, they're specifically looking for opportunities for investors, and these are people that are, you know, looking at houses that have been on the days on uh, have a high days on market. These are houses that maybe have not sold and uh, uh, been uh, expired listings. Uh, you know, agents that are looking for opportunities can put in the agent descriptions. Um, things like are actually not even agent descriptions, but the general descriptions of the properties on the MLS. They mm-hmm. can search by fixer upper, handyman special, uh, cash investor. You know, there's all kinds of different terms that they can search by to pull up properties that might be good opportunities for an investor. And so, it then is a matter of matching the investor to those. Types of property. So again, some invest, uh, some agents are more active in, you know, doing this on a day-to-day basis, almost as a niche, mm-hmm. and others just want it in their toolbox that if and when someday they come across an opportunity, they know who to call, yep. who can be decisive and act, act quickly. Yep.
0: And it's good to have. Again, we mentioned those tools in your toolbox. It's good to have that person because if you do, you may not. Be, you said you may not be actively doing it consistently, all on a regular basis, but you may run across it you may see a for sale by owner you may see a property that you know or a neighbor or you hear of something and it's just good to have that connection because you can make Absolutely. some money it helps you make some money and it makes everybody happy
1: yeah one one uh, opportunity i've been seeing a lot of lately uh, several of my deals have been probate uh, properties mm-hmm. and typically again in the in the agent notes or in the general notes on the mls it'll say if it's a probate property because yep and the, the contract is a little bit different that needs to be used. So um, those are always a good one. Uh, typically, you have people that uh, are just looking to get out of the property. They don't have a lot of emotional attachment, and they're just um, oftentimes a good opportunity for a cash investor.
0: Yeah. And I think just listening to your how you work, as an agent, you want to find someone who's going to, Want everyone to win for you. You said it's you want them to make as much money because you want them to continue to look for you. If you find an investor who's it's completely one sided, it's not going to want to make you work with them again, and not going to want to make you bring them deals and go out there because there's a lot of investors out there who are burning bridges with a lot of agents because they don't make it beneficial for everybody. Right.
1: No, I mean, yeah, that's true. And so, you want to look for the people that are in the business for the long term that have a successful track record of working with agents. Uh, and quite frankly, it's a small world out there. So <laughs> if you don't do something right, uh, a lot of people are going to hear about it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So for you, what's the future of your business look like? You're always actually obviously growing, but Ryan,
1: let me let me let me let me throw one other thing out sure. that I just thought of before we move on. So, you know, the MLS is just one way to find properties. Yep. Um, really, another way that uh, I've worked with agents and they've. Uh, been successful with this is agents that have relationships with wholesalers. So there's ways to find wholesalers. Uh, again, going to Urea meeting and meeting wholesalers, going uh, uh, some of the people that ha- hang these banner signs. We buy houses for cash, yep. we buy ugly houses. Those are oftentimes wholesalers. Again, yep. Craigslist. There's all these resources that you can go to to find these wholesalers. Now, what will happen is if you're an agent, um, the wholesaler may have. A house in contract that uh, that it's already in contract right Mm -hmm. so there's not an opportunity right there for uh, a listing agreement or a listing commission or a buying even a buying commission but um, I've had agents bring those deals to me and I've paid them separately on top of the assignment fee uh, a bonus or just say call it a buyer commission Mm -hmm. separately um, for uh the purchase of those properties that the numbers work, and then uh, if they do that, you know even if that number isn 't as big as what it would have been if they if it was a normal uh six percent commission deal mm-hmm. um think think of it this way i 'm going to fix that house up i 'm going to make it really pretty hope, hopefully and uh they 'll get the listing commission for it too yeah. so it's it it pays to work with wholesalers too, not just uh Projects off the
0: MLS. Yep. If if you're working with an investor who will in turn give you the listing on, on the other end.
1: Oh well, yeah, I mean if if they won't, then you know F- I find another find, one. <laughs> I go find other investors. Exactly. Sure.
0: Okay, so what's the future of your business look like, and where are you going with things, and what do you want to see in the next couple of years?
1: So, I would like to continue to expand the volume of the business that I do. Right now, I have three to four projects. Uh, typically going on at any, any given time, um, so I'd like to increase that uh, and hire a property uh, project manager, excuse me, to to help me manage those projects ongoing. Um, I also am doing multifamily investing because one of my strategies is to take the active income that I'm earning from my fix and flip business and move that. Uh, those resources into buy hold properties or trying to build up long term wealth and passive income, and that's ultimately what I want to do. I guess you know, 20 years from now, I'm not sure if I want to be fixing and flipping, but I sure would like to have a good passive income stream. So, that's that's really at least my personally my long term goal uh,
0: to keep moving in that direction. Awesome. So, if you were to give agents one piece of advice, if they are thinking about working with an investor, uh, what would you give them as one last, final piece of advice?
1: Um, you know, I, this is general advice that I give to you know kind of everybody in the real estate world that I work with, and it's you got to be consistent with what you do. So, you know, whatever you're trying to to do, be consistent with it, have a system so that you're, um, you're constantly taking actions that are going to result in what you're trying to accomplish your success. So uh, like for me personally, it's you know always uh, maintaining and, and trying to strengthen those relationships that I have. Um, so I think on the flip side of it, agents who are um, consistently staying in touch with real estate investors trying to understand where the markets are changing maybe how their strategies are changing Mm -hmm. for for example like I in the future may also be looking to do development and so we're looking for small properties uh, that are run down on larger lots that we can tear down and build uh, a brand new house on and that's a little bit different model than just a cosmetic fix and flip so Really, staying in touch, uh, being consistent with um, how you keep in touch with the real estate investors, as well as you know, be consistent with uh, your uh, strategy and how you're finding properties. If you're looking for probates, make sure that perhaps once a week, at the end of the week, you're researching the MLS for probate properties. or fix, you know, fixer uppers or handyman specials or whatever you're doing you just want to be consistent with whatever you're trying to accomplish and over time you'll find these opportunities anybody new in this business they'll tell you there's no there's no deals out there you know it's, it's impossible to find <laughs> a discounted property but if you're consistent with your marketing and your approach you will find deals and i think i i, I you know i don't i don't as we've discussed i don't operate as an agent but i'm pretty sure that uh... It, it works the same way on their side of the fence as, as on ours. Yeah, exactly.
0: I always say it's consistency and persistence is, is the key. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, Mark, well, we appreciate you being on. So, what's the best way for our listeners to check out what you're doing? If there's any agents that want to connect with you, or if there's any other investors that want to connect with you, or, or see what you're up to, what, how can they get a hold of you?
1: Absolutely. So, I have a website. It's uh, my company name, Bridge Equity Group. So, it's www.bridgeequity.com. BridgeEquityGroup.com. Um, my email address is my first initial last name, so it's M G A G N E R at BridgeEquityGroup.com. Those are probably the best ways to reach me, and you know I pride myself in trying to be very responsive. So love to talk or help out any of your listeners that have any questions.
0: Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes and we'll give a shout out to Mark from CM2Media who helped you build your website, who's also helped me build my website, which is kind of how we connected. So, thanks to yeah. Mark for the introduction. So, yeah, absolutely. So, we, Mark, we appreciate you being on and thank you for such your, uh, your advice and information because it's great to hear uh, the other side of it and how we can grow our businesses from looking at it from just a different angle. So, we appreciate your insights and thanks for being on the show.
1: Had a really great time. Thank you. Thanks.